I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It is the Blue Room. It is Blue Monday. I am Matt Jones, joined as ever. By Dave Downey to reflect on an eventful weekend for Everton, an eventful weekend in the Premier League. Dave, how are you doing? Yeah, doing okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I mean, I was petrified. I know we sat there watching it, didn't we? I was petrified of uh, looting and what they looked they were going to do at Newcastle. And uh, I don't know, I don't think many of our fans never want to thank Newcastle for what they did. But I'll tell you what, mate, when they got those two goals to uh, to get the draw, um, I think I think that was a, not a blessing in disguise for us, but certainly a help anyway, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I was more annoyed at Newcastle than Luton, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, certainly one of our former players as well. But but yeah, that was that was annoying. But listen, it wasn't the worst set of results in the end for us, was it? Over the weekend, you know, there was a few. Forrest got a good point, didn't he? I think that I think when you look at that league table now, Matt. There's there's at least four sides above us now who are seriously in amongst it. And I think you've got... It typically happens every season, doesn't it, where you get a side or two just drop like a stone. I think you look at Palace. Palace in real trouble. Issues with Hodgson. Um, I don't know if you've seen what they did on Match of the Day as well. All sorts of protests for their owners. Uh, very similar to what we know over the years. And we're, we're quite uh, we're quite familiar with all of that stuff, aren't we, about the, um, the chairman and the board and all that sort of thing. And then um, you look at Forrest as well, even though they've got... Santo in there, they're still not picking up some really decent results. Brentford too. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the results there, there's only three to four points between us and them above us. Um, so it's not only us or Luton anymore. I think you've got a few more sides who've come into this battle to stay up. Yeah, Palace feel like the one, don't they? And it's not just the issues off the pitch with, with Hodgson and the, the fans and the direction of the club they've got. I believe it's Elise, Eze and Gehi are all out injured for a few weeks as well, which is obviously good for us when we play them on that Monday night, two weeks today. Well, I'm but, not sure whether it's ordered or not, Matt. Um, with Elise, there was real chaos after that when he came off. Mm. He came on off the bit off the uh, the bench and then came straight off when he was he was trying to sprint and get the ball and it got launched there forward and when they were trying to be on the counter attack and he he, he ran about. 10, 15 yards and just stopped, looked at the bench and just said, 
you know, something's gone. You know what I mean? Uh, one of his muscles, there was an issue on on one of his muscles in his leg. And uh, if you look at Hodgson, he looks furious. Elise comes off, didn't even speak to him. And then post-match, uh, Hodgson says that, well, <laughs> typical Hodgson, he, he said, there, well, it's not my fault. The uh, the fitness group said he was fine to play. So I'm like basically in Novavatum said that we need to blame the fitness the fitness guys and uh, all, all of the all of the people who sought him out said he was fit to play. So that's why I put him on. But it, it doesn't it go back to um, old dad. Did you think Moyes used to say about this where you wouldn't even include a player on the bench if he's not a hundred percent fit? Um, mm. And and obviously a manager of Hodgson's experience certainly shouldn't be doing that and. Obviously, he got battered by Brighton as well, so he probably wasn't really needed on the pitch at the time. So, um, yeah, it's a massive setback for them not to have him ready. Yeah, loads going on over the weekend, both ends of the table. Just before we get into talking about Everton and the not player of the weekend and a bit more about the game as a whole, the the big talk of Piper's Harley on Sunday was about Arsenal players celebrating at the end of their win against Liverpool. And they get accused of a lot of this Arsenal, I think, Dave, in regards to when they win, maybe they, they go a bit over the top. But, but the pile-on from, from the game yesterday has been quite astonishing. I know, you know Jamie Carragher said, get off and get down the tunnel straight away on the broadcast when Odegaard was fooling around with the camera. And then Gary Neville said they were immature afterwards and that kind of stuff. And there's, there's been a few ex-pros and pundits trying to put the boot into them, but... My word, it's caused such a, a stigma today and uh, last night. And I just sort of look at it and think, is, is this what it's come to now where Arsenal have beaten a team that have lost one game all season in very controversial circumstances? They thrust themselves back into the title race at two points behind. And they can't have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke at full time, really. Is, is that where we're at now with football? Well, it was only who, who the guy wasn't it at the end when I'm I'm not too sure if this I haven't looked in the papers today, but I'm not too sure if the guy who's actually taking his camera off, obviously the photographer, mm. and I don't know whether he knew him quite well or possibly at their own birthday or something like that. But quite clearly, it was a joke he was having with the guy taking his camera and stuff like that. If you go as far as what Carragher said there, I think it sounds really bitter and 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 quite petty to be honest with you because. He's saying he should be down the tunnel celebrating, not even celebrating, he should be down the tunnel, obviously getting back in the dressing room and seeing what Arteta did. But the other thing where it goes out the other side is, you remember back to when, and obviously we not a memory we want to particularly uh, to discuss too much, but you remember when Liverpool won against us in the last minute and you had Klopp running all over the pitch and celebrating? If that happened Liverpool-wise and they ended up with the result that Arsenal did. Jamie Carragher would not be saying exactly what he said about Arsenal. And I'll get Peltas for this, uh, Peltas for this again, um, Matt. But I've never particularly um, disliked Carragher. I think he's a good pundit. I, I, I like what he says. I like how he talks. I like, I like how he discusses us as well. I think it's quite sensible what he says. That, to me... Um, was was it just looked like he was he was crying over what happened in that game really, um, and let's face it, it was one player, you know, it, it wasn't the whole the whole team did typically what we do if we won a game, you go to Gladys, they clap, then go back down, um, into the changing rooms or whatever, have a chat with the manager, whatever it is, um, 
Udegaard's not not running around as if they've won the league. He's just having a, a laugh and a giggle with a guy, a photographer. I'm I'm pretty sure there'll be something uh, amongst that because he's not just going to simply go over to a random photographer and grab his camera and start taking photos. Oh, I, I don't know what's happened there. Clearly, you would that insinuates to me that there's been something there. But you're absolutely right about um, how things go out of proportion in this league now. Um, do you know the other side of it as well? Playing devil's advocate, Matt. I'm just glad it wasn't about VAR. <laughs> so you know, maybe, maybe you'd like to watch something like that instead of talking about VAR stuff. Which, I mean, that game, it's probably the one of the first I've watched, which didn't really have any relevance of VAR. Well, I think the Arsenal first goal was checked, though, wasn't it? Like all, all the goals were, were I think a couple of goals were checked in that game still. But I, I do think the Saka one, though, Matt. The, the Saka one, I can understand that because. That shot's gone in. You'd, I, I think I think the right to check whether he stepped in front when the shot's been gone in, you check whether the, the player who's knocked it in is offside. I, I actually think that one's okay. But you're right. Um, it, it, there seems to be like a level of paranoia now with VAR, which will then therefore increases the hatred we've all got of what, what's going on with this now. Um, well, as, as you're right there, to be fair. What, what you said there about it's still involved, I go as far as then saying that it was the least that we've saw from it where there's controversy or anything deeply like that. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was cracking games to watch, by the way. Yeah, and a few of their, a few of their fans are still having a moan about Canate getting sent off. And, but like, I, I, I do think the whole celebrations of full-time and VAR are linked, though. Because it, it just feels to be like a rush to just drain all the joy out of football, like, you know, like poison from a wound. It's... I, I, I don't get this, this 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 sudden rush to condemn footballers and fans who seem like they're having a good time at, at the final whistle. It's mad. I mean, I, I wrote about this today. Um, I, I stood in the ground on Saturday after our two goals, not knowing whether we'd scored, whether it was going to be disallowed, whether you could celebrate. Like our first goal, ultimately, I knew it was given because we the Spurs kicked off again. And it just said to me, Dad, like, oh, right, we scored. Like that's that's not what it's about, is it? Going the game, like you, you, I, I think, like you're seeing more of these sorts of you know, displays of full time and people sort of letting their emotions loose after the game a bit more because you can't do it during the actual match anymore because you're constantly having to check yourself. And, and as soon as you see that that Divian goal for Spurs lined up to take a free kick after we've scored, you're thinking, well, this is going to be disallowed, or you're looking like at any. You immediately, when you're in the ground, maybe this is just an Everton thing because we, we are a bit more pessimistic in, in that point of view. Maybe other teams don't do it and have the same mindset. Or maybe it's just just my my issue, my thing. But like I, I will always, if we scored a goal now, it's like, right, how you do a little internal checklist of how is this going to be disallowed? How, how could they go about disallowing this? Could it be offside? Could it be a foul? Could something else have happened in, in the build-up? Is there a handball in there anywhere? And I think it's very rare now that you get a goal which is pure in that sense, if you get what I mean, which which isn't, that can't be retrospectively turned over in any way, shape or form because you're thinking and worrying. Like I, I thought that even Spurs goal the weekend, the second one, I thought they might have been offside in the build-up to that. So I imagine the Red fans were, were thinking the same. And it feels like that, that, that little bit at the end of a game when you've won and everyone's on the pitch, player, manager, fans, you've won a big game. It's almost like one of the last untainted, uncontaminated 
pure bits of football you can have that you go the game for because you can't really celebrate goals anymore but I'm going to check yourself and wait and worry and be anxious but you don't get that rush anymore so you know effectively what I'm trying to say is you know they're fucks to them for, for going a bit over the top for being a bit daft and enjoying that with the fans because you can't really get your joy anywhere else in football at the moment can you? Well, you think about us as fans, obviously that's the that's the thing that's top of the list that this affects for has affected is mostly fans that that suffer more than anybody else. But you think you think if you're playing as well, there must be an immense frustration when you're actually the person that is playing, that you're trying to create chances, you're trying to score goals. There's a purity of sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but you saw exactly that with our first goal on Saturday, yeah. because Harrison and Cavalier were sort of a bit like, oh, I don't know what's happened there, don't really know who scored, like, just gave each other, like, a little low five, and, and that was it. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a, a big yeah. happy moment, like, where they battled back, played really well and equalised. It was like, oh, not really sure about this. And that, that's shite. With the other side of that, man, the, the, the flip side of it is you, you start hoping that it's happened when someone scored against you as well. So the, the, the purity in any regards of a match you watch is just... It's been evaporated from us. It's gone. Um, it, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I, I had a chat briefly with a guy on Twitter. He's a Southampton fan. And he said since they've gone down, they've enjoyed football more than they ever have since VAR came in. So how, how long has VAR been in? Five, maybe five, six years max since it's been... Uh, well, yes, that, isn't it? Because of what happened in the Women's World Cup where it was first uh, put in... Um, and he was saying to me, since they've gone down, the actual games themselves, he felt like a proper fan before. And I mistaken him in what he said. I said, what do you mean by proper proper fan? Is that you slating fans of the Premier League? He said, absolutely not. He said, it's pitying. There's a pity towards fans in the Premier League because, yeah, okay, you've been relegated. You've gone to the Championship. No one wants that. But he said, you know, it's not. you wouldn't even go as... As simplistic as you know, are making the making the best of what's gone on with us, and we've got relegated. So you try and stay as positive as you possibly can. It's not even that. He he was talking about how you just go with what the referees done, and 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 I think there's a there's a huge irony in this because if you you, you speak to a Liverpool fan, one of the uh, referees they hated, purely hated for many many years was Howard Webb. Uh, they used to say Howard Webb was a United fan because he come from over the road and stuff like that. I've asked Reds, friends who are Reds, and I've said, would you prefer, would you be happy to go back to those days when we'd be sitting there after games slating a refereeing decision? Would you prefer that? Because let's face it, it wasn't perfect, which is why this ended up happening. Yeah. But if you went back to those years when things have happened with, with referees, I mentioned it on Twitter about the, the Bolton game, which ultimately kept us up years ago. Would you rather, would you pay the price of going back to do that given what VAR's like. And I think maybe a poll we do at some point, but I think there'd be a high percentage of fans who just completely get rid of VAR and go back yes. to, again, again, the way of purity of refereeing, like I say, five or six years ago, because you, you're having something, I think, you know, like as we talking on Monday every week, us arguing about, I'd rather sit here arguing about a refereeing decision than a VAR decision, because... Why that's worse is because they've actually got the technology to, to test it. And it's even worse than me or you standing on the pitch blowing our whistle. I, I, I just, that, that's the thing that really gets me. And, and he really opened my mind up about that talking to this guy today. He was like, mate, honestly, he said, no one wants to go to the championship when you've been a Premier League side. 
I'll tell you what, when I go to a game and my team scores a goal, I can go off my head if I want to because I know it's going to be a goal because the, the linesman's going to put the flag up straight away if it's not, and then you carry on with the game. Um, it's a real shame that that's a rarity to us in the Premier League. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, that used to be it, didn't they? In the grounds, you'd look at the the assistant referee, and you'd you'd know then whether it was yeah. a goal or not. That was the first check, first and last check you did really on any goal. But yeah, but yeah, there you go. There, there's our silver line if we get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me to test stuff like that, Matt. It's yeah. I just, I just find I just find the whole thing a bit mad. It's like, come on. Do you ever think they'll end it? Do you, do you ever think they'll get to a point? No. Did it ever go? I do. It's I do think it's going now. I do think if we went back to how it was, I'd like to think we'd all be a bit calmer and have a bit more perspective when referees did make bad mistakes because we all know how crap it is now with it. If that makes sense. Because I mean, I think, I think like the the temptation and the instinct when it wasn't a thing. I'm sure if people go back to listen to us on parts after we've been done over by a referee before VAR, we will be saying stuff like, "Oh, we can't wait till technology comes in." This will, this will sort all this out, and it hasn't, has it? It's still, it's still rubbish. Like, you still get decisions wrong, and it's killed what should be one of the most sacred things, yeah. in football, which is being able to celebrate a goal in a stadium that you that you've seen live with your eyes, you know. And you can't, you can't do that anymore. So, yeah. well, it's like the other thing as well. It's like you know, get home, and every, people have the traditions of games. You go and get your chippy tea on the way home, and you watch match of the day of a night. When you go like the other the other day, going home Saturday. Looking at watching match of the day and the, the games that have been on, particularly that Newcastle Ford or with Luton, and I'm I'm looking for the to be a VAR decision, and like even even like if the BBC and um, everything with match of the day have their own sort of little graphic VAR, and I'm like, that's how far it's gone because you know you're gonna have to use that at some point in a game. I can't remember a game where it's not being used, not being used for anything. Absolutely anything, sending off, offside, goals, penalties. Can you remember when there's not been a VAR decision happening in a game? I think it's a, and I think it's got to a point now where the referee inside of it, those in, in Stockley Park, are thinking, well, we almost have to do this. Maybe there's on their side of it. I'm not, I'm not going in, in sort of defending them, but a lot of them must sit there and think, we have to check on this, otherwise. You know, no, I'm not go- again. Not going as far as saying these guys are sort of like got the their arm, the the hands trapped behind the back in terms of what they have to do. But it does feel like there's a pressure 
to have to make a particular decision because there's no way they can finish a game and then say, yeah, that was perfect. Referee was perfect. Linesman was perfect. There's no way anybody's going to be employed to be able to do that. So that's why I think that there's um, it, it, there's, there's no fairity. If, uh, there's nothing fair involved in the way it goes, particularly when you look at other sides as well. I mean, how many times have people, and look, we're, we're probably the wrong fans to say this as fans of Everton, but we've seen decisions, big decisions, which we've spoken about a lot quite regularly on our podcasts that have happened against us. Now, I don't think you yourself probably watch more games than me um, when you get a chance, but you see other games and you think there's not many who've got worse decisions than us. We look like we look like we're getting bollocked every week, let's be fair. Yeah. Wolves are the only ones I'd say about are the ones maybe they, they seem to get shockers every week. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's shite, but it's here to stay. It's just shite. Final word. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about someone that's not shite now. We'll go from an Everton or Everton player from the weekend. I'm, I'm gonna go first in this one, Dave. I always defer to you and you always say Vitaly Mikolenko, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go first today with this one, and, and I think he deserves loads of credit actually to address again because the um is that gonna be yours? He was gonna be first out of my list, but yeah, go on. Michelenko second. Uh, on I don't think Michelenko was that good this year. Uh, this year, no, this didn't get a good game actually. But but address again was was brilliant. And, you know, obviously he's been away for the last month. He was injured before he went off. We still didn't really know how how long he was gonna be out for and. Fact he was back on a plane this week, straight back into the side. Yeah. And just thought he had a, a really good game non-stop throughout. He took a couple of really heavy knocks, didn't he, too? And just, just carried on plowing on, really. And and he gave us something different in that area of the pitch that we've not had since he's he's gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. As much as an honor, get it gives it is a big physical presence in there. And, and James Garner bustles and bustles about. I don't think either of them are as intense or intelligent in the way in which they are hunting the ball as he is out of possession. And the amount of times he just broke up their attacks, got us going, was, was absolutely fantastic. And he's, he's one of those players, I think sometimes that when he's been in the team for a bit and you're watching him, he, he can do your head in and you think, oh, he's sloppy on the ball and, and, and all this. But when he's been missing for a bit and when he comes back into the team, I think you really notice what he does give us. Yeah, I, th- I think there's... Um... He's a conventional defensive midfield player, which you don't see that often. Uh, I think that sort of um, it sort of fell out a little bit of what we see in games now because it needs to be a box to box player who's playing as a six. Um, you know, and, and maybe a little bit older in terms of the core in previous seasons. He, he's 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 a he's a probably a full ten now. Let's face it, but he was in the team as somebody who's a defensive midfielder who can pound, who can go forward. I'm sure Onana would have been asked to make to do that sort of thing. I'm not really sure he's that kind of player for us now. But with just a gay coming back in, he's his job is to mop up what comes in behind the midfield and just in front of the back four or five. And then he did that immensely. I completely agree with you. I think Hoyberg for them, um, who's somebody we very nearly signed a few seasons ago. He's he's generally been a top player in, in that position. I thought just a gay was better than him. And that's the the they're big comments to make on a player that's been out for a while. I mean, the last time he played was well before he went out to um with, with his nation as well. So for him to step in Spurs away, wasn't it? Did he play in Spurs away? He played at Spurs away, yeah. Because I don't know, actually it might have been before then. I think it was before then. Someone will have to check. But um 
he uh, when he first came back, I was really critical of him because initially the only way I could defend him by saying when he was at a team like PSG where he's going to play a different style of football, well, a completely different match than you would do when you're playing at Evan because you're playing for the team who's going to have 70, 80% of the ball when you're in, in, in France playing with PSG. You come back to Evan in the Premier League, it, t- it takes a while to get back. There's one one thing I criticise him back in that game. Uh, Matt, what do you think it's going to be? From the game on Saturday? Yeah, one thing well, that was shot was horrific, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. That shot was that shot was horrendous, and he's never been able to hit a ball properly. Um, the other the other point of that as well is I'm not sure it was charging in from the right hand side, but he just laid it off to him. He we got a chance of scoring a goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can't really take away what kind of performance he had there. So yeah, I think I think it's a top player to go for. And just again, he's going to be crucial for us to have him back. Yeah, the last time he did play was at Spurs away. He played 24 minutes that day, yeah. I think he came off and uh, Gomez came on, didn't he? Obviously played right. really well. He can't play many for us this season. He, I don't know what, 10, 15 games, something like that? It's been funny for him. I think he started the season when we had no wingers. We've gone to play on the right wing. And then I think Dice has gradually moved away from, from him in midfield, hasn't he? And, and settled on Ghana and Anana. I think there were a couple of home games in a row. I can't remember what's off my head. I think Luton was one. Yeah. Where he started and he was dragged off at our time when we're trying to push for, for the for the win. So and that's gonna be interesting in midfield. So I don't think Anana's too far away, is he by the sounds of it? it sounds like something little. Decore's back doing work on the grass apparently, whatever that translates to in, in terms of dice terminology. But are we set up in, in there? I mean, you've got four players, haven't you, for, for three positions. One of them is the core when he's fit, I think 100%. And then you've got three into two in the the sort of two deeper midfield positions. And I think he's got quite decent options there. And it'll be interesting to see who he actually does go with, if everybody yeah. ever does get fit. Well, yeah, but, um, it's it's just a bit of a shame to think it's a white man city if any of these lads are really, isn't it? Um I, I think you'd be hard pressed to say we get something when you go away to them given the Liverpool getting defeat there basically open the door for them because they win both of the games in hand they go top. Um but in regards to my player, uh, I've gone for Ben Godfrey. Uh yeah. because I think there was I didn't notice he was playing right back for about I don't know, half and the mo- most of the first half. And that was because um, there was a consistency from him where I thought it wasn't, it, there was no particular, you know, and sometimes when you watch games and you think they just fly by, um, you don't see anybody particularly because they haven't done anything wrong, nor have they had the ball much. Um, I, I think the, the the former, what I said there, was exactly what he was like. I thought he defended really well, which has been a massive issue in his game ever since we've got him, really. Um Apart from when we first got him, those first two seasons when we thought this lad's going to be better than John Stones and you know the way Brantwaite is these days, but I think I think Brantwaite's probably he's marked to go better than uh, the most central defenders that there are in the Premier League and have played for England. But Ben Godfrey there um, took a lot. I think his, he did an interview afterwards, Matt. You probably know more about that about that than me, um, where he said he was really glad to get back playing football and things like that. I think. I think there's a maturity from that lad too. Um, you don't you don't really hear much of him in terms of speaking out loud or I don't know going out in the lash like Rashford at Man United. He just, he just seemed like a quiet lad who just cracks on with it. Um, 
The other, the other interesting thing is, I don't think Patterson's longed for Everton, by the way, as long as Sean Dyche is the manager. No idea what's going on with that because he's a very, very talented lad. Maybe not achieved it with us yet, but he's somebody you probably get a big price for if you if you let him play like 30 or games in a season. But nonetheless, getting Godfrey back in there, right back, we know how versatile he is. Um, and then bringing uh, Seamus on for him towards the end. Um, I, I, I just, I think that he's somebody again he'll be he'll be crucial to us given the fact that how small our squad is you're not going to have Seamus playing full 90 for the rest of the season so if he if he sticks to that level of form he's been through a lot of a lot of downs hasn't he um, since like all of us are saying why has he gone crap you probably get you loan him out you probably try and sell him um, various teams have allegedly been interested in him there was a real professionalism what he came in and did uh, against Spurs there, so he's going to be my uh, my game, my player of the game. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. He, he was good, like he was good in his own awkward kind of way, wasn't he? I think in a game like that, he wasn't he wasn't whipping forward on the wings. Uh, sorry, at, at full back like we used to see him, and I think there was a real discipline about that because he knew he knew who he's up against. Um, nonetheless, you, you know, you're probably going to see that against lesser sides. Well, you know, in inverted commas, lesser sides against us. You're going to see him bomb on and want to, you know, play alongside Harrison, who's over there. You know, that that sort of thing that probably will come if he stays in the side. But I thought there was a real maturity, given he knew he was up against coming down from that side for, for spares. So um, that's the only thing I wanted to say to interrupt you, sorry. No, no, it's it, it's right, and I think I think Werner was playing on the left for them, wasn't he? And like he feels like a good match for him because Werner is just all about pace, isn't he? And Godfrey, yeah. is, I think there was one time when Madison did a nice little turn and, and played Werner in behind that, that Godfrey got caught out. But other than that, he was he was fine. He did enough one of those running back towards his own goal, and he hooking the ball away, goal saving tackles, which is kind of becoming a bit of a trademark. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think I've said, I think I've said on on this this show before that if you look at everything he's got, Godfrey, and listen, there are loads of things he hasn't got. But I think if you look, you look at the attributes he's got in terms of his aggression, his physicality, his versatility, like he he should fit into what Daesh wants to do really well. Like in, in the way we play, you know, it's not about subtlety, it's not about necessarily being intricate on the ball or playing out from the back. It's about being aggressive, being dominant, winning your battles, and that, that's kind of ideal for him isn't it like you yeah. look at him and, and, and what he is as a footballer and that's that's the sort of team he should be playing in to be able to get the best out of him so yeah I was just going to say I, I think he initially was a bit of a victim of his own success as in you could play him anywhere across the line there's no particular I know he's a central defender the original that's his trade but when he's played on either side he, he did so well in his, his initial couple of years you're like well, you don't really know where to put him if you've got... Like, for instance, that lad, say if Tarkovsky got injured or Brantwaite got injured and you're putting Keane in, I don't know, he plays like that. I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of shouts to say you've got to include Godfrey in there instead of uh, Michael Keane. Or, for instance, if both of them are injured, you put Godfrey uh, as a central defender or part of the dreaded five or whatever it is. But I, I do think he's been a victim of his own success because if he'd have stuck being a right-back, you're looking at the natural air of Seamus uh, if he just stuck to that and he was able to keep the form in which he did. And with Dice as well, you know, with the Patterson issue he seems to have, 
you'd think he'd be the next right back for us because it, it certainly saves you money trying to go and buy one. Yeah, it's small steps for him, isn't it? Like, he's been out for a while. He's come in. He's played three games all season, hasn't he? And and we've done we've done relatively well in them all. Obviously, we went one barely played that night, drew a Fulham and drew the weekend. So fingers crossed that he can he can start making progress back towards that player he was over the weekend. I don't think we'll ever see him in, in a back as part of a two-man central defence, like as, as one of the two by any means. But I think Dice will will go to Keane first, and then. You'll, you'll look at Godfrey, you know, as a fourth choice option, but I think as a right back, playing a back three as an emergency left back, you know, he is he is absolutely fine. And listen, he probably deserves to run the team now. I imagine he'll play at the weekend, maybe as part of a back five. You know, it's we'll to wait and see. But with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending. Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Um, just just quickly looking ahead to the weekend a little bit, Dave. It, it is a thankless task, isn't it, City? We're recording this before we play Brentford on on Monday night, so who, who knows how they get on there against them. Um, but the stars look a bit more on it again. Haaland's coming back, so it's it's, it's going to be difficult for us. What what would you what would you be looking to do with the team? Because obviously the core might be back, and Arnon might be back. I think at the weekend there were a few tired bodies there. I think McNeil and Harrison in particular looked absolutely gassed at the end. And I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and say let's send the under twelves there by any means, but it does sort of feel like one of those where if you can get Dobbin into the team at the expense of one of them, maybe do it. Um, I wouldn't be rushing Decore back into the eleven by any means. No. Maybe we can get him off the bench. That that'd be fine. But if, if he has to miss it out, so he's ready for Palace. Absolutely. I, I sort of feel like it's it's one of them where, again, this sounds so defeatist, but you've got to think more about Palace in two weeks than, than City in a week. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair to say there. And, you know, and, and again, yeah, I think there'll be a certain level of criticising because people will say, oh, you've got to go there, you've got to go there and go for it and you can't stop doing that sort of thing. But you're absolutely right, I think. It's... Um, I mean, there's never a good time to go and play City. You'd probably want to get the two games, the home and away games, out of the first two games of the season, wouldn't you? If you had that choice, but going going away to them at this particular stage, and you know, lest we forget, we've we, the time of doing this. They they've still got an away game uh, tonight, uh, but it looks like it, it feels ominous to me that they get in that ridiculous run of wins there, and that's ultimately how they've gone and taken the Premier League in recent years. Um, against us let's face it they're probably delighted to be playing us um, I think you look at Dice in a certain way and think maybe this goes back to a traditional Dice there who would take his former Burnley team to there and just try and make it as absolutely difficult as possible 
you just want to, there's a physical battle there. I think it'd be really interesting how if Harlan's back for that one, seeing Branthwaite versus him is actually something I'd relish to see. I'd like to see how he did against him, you well, know? God, Godfrey did a great job on him, didn't he, in this yeah. last season? And, like, Harlan scored early on, and you're thinking, oh, no, there we go. And then Godfrey got under his skin and wound him up, and he, he should have been sent off in that game. For, do you remember the tackle on Mikolenko when he launched himself? Yes. You know, we, we ended up going there and, and getting a point, didn't we, somehow? So, yeah, exactly. And if he if he is on that right hand side, you know, you know that you've got on the left there is just ridiculous talent. And you don't even get Grealish barely gets a game these days. You've got Doc who I think's gonna be a top class player too. Um you've just got you got forward and flying around whenever he wants. I mean it you know, if he goes to that five at the back that we've complained about a lot. You couldn't really blame him against these, could you? You could not do that. Um, you've got Carl Lewin, who's still struggling to get a goal, even though it looked like he scored and everybody thought he'd scored um, against Spurs the other day. Um, he's got a thankless task up there in the zone because there's no way he's going to be playing alongside somebody. I, I think I, he's on the bench on Saturday. I think I think you play Beto or Chimiti. I think one of them starts. Yeah. I think it's a situation when we play, we play five across the back of... Coleman, Godfrey, Tarkovsky, Brantway, Mikolenko. Then Young and Dobbin as your two wide midfielders. Drissigay, Garner or Nana centre mid, and then you've got one centre forward. Like that, that, that feel. That, like I, I just, I just say to Harrison and McNeil, like lads, you, you've rang yourselves into the ground for weeks and weeks and weeks. You're both knackered. Just have an hour on the bench here at least. And then you can go yeah. full throttle into Palace because I think I think those two in particular need it because it's not just about playing for them and creating and trying to be wingers. It's the, the manager asks for so much from them from a off the ball point of view, and they both just look like they're running empty at the moment. Yeah, I think that's right. I think because the, the only time you, you're saying to them there, yeah, have a rest, lads. But if you actually if you actually got a chance here, or it's only one or. With 15 left, might throw you on there to see what we can do, or you know, you both are just going to run your asses off in that game. We need you to track back and stuff like that. Because let's face it, if, you, if City aren't ahead by the time you get to the last half hour, you're going to basically have 11 lads standing on the on the back on the uh, on the goal line. Aren't you? That's that's the only way you get something there. I don't know. Maybe we're being too, I don't know, too optimistic of what City can do these days, uh, given that you know they haven't been great, have they? They haven't been themselves. Maybe. A little bit ominous to say that, but um, yeah, I, I, I hate to say it, mate, but you you don't want to hide into nothing going there, particularly at this stage, particularly if you've got the best striker in the world back. Um, I don't know. Midfielder in the world I, back. I, I just, just going back there, what you say? The best midfielder in the world back as well. Who's back for that? Who's back in He's back in He's back playing again now, De Bruyne. Oh yeah, he's there. You got Bernardo. I, I don't even want to talk about their team because it's depressing when you're going to go and play them. Um, but I, I think ultimately the first point you made there, spot on. Like you say, you don't go as far as saying, "Look, lads, we're going to write this one off." So everyone go and have a break there and make sure you're fit for this uh, big Palace game. We've got to drag them into the relegation fight. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd love to hear what Dice is saying to these lads um, this week. Because it can't possibly be let let's go hell and leather here to try and get results. It, it just couldn't possibly be. And I actually think I don't think it'd be that intelligent for him to do so. Um he's he, he's a, he's an experienced manager here who knows who you're going to play. It's a difficult way of words, and it I think to 
Um, certainly wouldn't wait it to us outwardly or to the, the press, but certainly to that squad that he's got going there. Um, I, I, I think it's... I wouldn't, I wouldn't envy him saying that this season. I'd probably say Ian won't go and say that for us, will you? Like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, before we wrap up, like, I think if, if Dobbin and Chimiti did start, like, they, they came on and changed the game for the better on Saturday. It, it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be deserved for, for them to to get an opportunity. Listen, it would be a thankless task for them playing as forwards in a game where they're going to have next to none of the ball. But it wouldn't be unwarranted or undeserved for, for either of them for the way in which they, they helped us get back into the game on Saturday. No, I think that's that's a really good point too. Um, I think I feel really sorry for Dobbin as well because when he scored that goal, well, well, effectively last year now when we had the uh, the four wins on the spot there on, on in four wins in a row, the goal he scored there, the way he celebrated and then goes on the bench the following game. I think that's so much of a. I mean, you understand it really that you don't want to throw him in for too much, but I don't think he got back on until a couple of games later after that. And to go from that level of high, um, when you when you're a young player, to then you you must be sitting there wondering. You obviously know why if you've got that level of intelligence as a young lad, which he probably has. But you're sitting there thinking, I can't wait to get back on, Gaffer, get me back on as soon as possible. I want to get on there. I want to fly. I've shown you what I can do. Um, and that's no fault of Dice, by the way. Dice is like, well, you know, I can't I can't just throw you on because you have that inexperience. We need to have lads who, who know what's going on a little bit more than yourself. Difficult to put them on when you're in a struggling condition, but I think starting him uh, or, or certainly in playing at whatever point because you've got two knackered lads there on each wing. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him a little bit more, a little bit more, Shemiti, again. I mean, we don't really know what he's got. Um, seems to have a lot of... The, the reports about him seems to be like he's going to be a really, really good forward. Um I mean, when is, what, what do we have? Is it Saturday then the fo- the following Monday? So what, eight Monday. days, nine, nine days. days. Nine days. I mean, I mean, the other way of looking at it, you'll see people saying put out your best eleven because you've got nine days until the next one. Or <laughs> would you go as far as saying nine days is enough for everything to get sorted for the next game? I just looked, I just looked at McNeil and Harrison and just thought, oh my God, like, yeah. like I'd be half tempted to say to them, like, going out five days away somewhere, like. Yeah. Like they both done a great job for like you know I know Harrison's been getting loads of flack recently because he struggled and obviously McNeil's issues off the pitch are, are well documented. He spoke very candidly and, and emotionally about them himself last week, didn't he? Through, through the yeah, yeah. channels. And Did you just you like, McNeil as well? Have you felt he's played a little bit deeper? Yeah, McNeil in particular, I, I I found it so strange that he was rushed back as quick as he was after that Palace injury. It, it felt it felt like that. Was close to being a season over. Obviously, we've got lucky because he is playing and, and can run around on the pitch, but it just feels like he's been rushed back far too quick. And, and, and obviously, he's got all the stuff going on off the pitch. And he just, I'd just be saying, sort of go and have go and have a few days away from everywhere, like and come back in on the Sunday at the city or you know next Monday, and, and we'll have you right for for Palace physically. You know, it's like it's like when you play footy manager and you know your assistant manager's like. Player fitness concern over player X, player Y. Like Harrison and Harrison and McNeil are like in the little red health bar where the, the heart thing is to signify how much energy they've got. Yeah. They're running on, on empty. So I'd be sort of tempted just to, to give both of them, you know, maybe have them in the squad by all means. Because, like you said, if, if that scenario unfolds where we're nil nil on 60, or God forbid, we, we manage to sneak a goal from a set piece and, and we're trying to, we can get something, there's a, there's a realistic chance of us getting something from the game. Then, then by all means, give them half an hour. Um, but 
and just look at them both and think you need to you need to have a game on the bench. You need to have a few days off, and then that should hopefully serve us better further down the line. We've got some maybe more winnable games, but listen, the manager I'm sure will see it differently. So yeah. we'll see. We'll talk about that in a lot more detail this week. We were up a blue Monday. Uh, Dave, you're going to be doing subs weekly early this week. Yeah, I think we're, we're sort of swapping over, aren't we? You're doing weekly and I'm doing subs. I'm doing weekly. Uh, we've also got a weekend preview. I, mean, I don't want to have Dave Mooney on for that. Uh, another old new borrowed blue mailbag. All usual stuff building up to that big match on Saturday at the Etihad Stadium. But that has been Blue Monday. Cheers for tuning in. Up the top ease, and we'll catch you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.